Golden State with it. Basket to our right. Durant splits a double. Oh, puts some English on it. And the layup is good for KD. Kevin Durant, the Warriors winners last night without both Steph Curry and Draymond Green for very different reasons. You are winners on this Wednesday afternoon because the sports pen is coming at you on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Welcome inside the studio. Tanner Hoops with you. Hope your work week has been going well. We're halfway home. Just starting to wind down the work day on Wednesday. Plenty has happened since we signed off last night that we need to go over. During our show, the news was broken that Le'Veon Bell is not eligible to play in the NFL this season. Whether he's with the Pittsburgh Steelers or anybody else, it's not going to happen until next year. Other NFL news that we became aware of late yesterday afternoon. Next Monday night's football game in Mexico City between the Chiefs and the Rams has been moved to Los Angeles due to poor field conditions at Estudio Azteca. The latest edition of the college football playoff rankings released last night. Not many surprises, if any. No change in the top ten. First time ever that that's happened, the college football playoff rankings. Meanwhile, you look to the ice. Tom Wilson returns for the Capitals, and he does it in a very Tom Wilson way. Gets a goal, has a goal overturned, gets into a fight. The Capitals win 5-2 over Minnesota. Meanwhile, Joe Thornton scores his 400th career goal for the Sharks, and the Red Wings are back to 500. They win their fourth straight game as they thump Arizona 6-1. to 24 saves for Jimmy Howard and three points for Mike Green, a goal and two assists. Of course, you've got the fallout from the whole Jimmy Butler saga. He will make his debut this evening with the Philadelphia 76ers. He was formally introduced, and we delve deeper into the aforementioned Warriors saga and their suspension handed out to Draymond Green, which was served last night. So where do we want to start? I mean, we can pick a multitude of places, but let's start with the big, big breaking news. That's Le'Veon Bell. Did not report to the Steelers by the 4 p.m. Eastern deadline yesterday. That means he's not eligible to play for them or any other team this season. In case you missed it, Le'Veon Bell has been sitting out this season. He has been holding out until the Steelers would give him a new contract, which they did not do. Le'Veon wanted more money. As an NFL running back, he knows his career window is small. Smaller than a lot of other positions. For running back in the NFL, you're lucky if you get three years in your prime. But with the amount of injuries, things that can stack up, what have you in the NFL... It's a dangerous spot. He wants to make sure that the lifestyle he's accustomed to is going to be protected. The gruesome injury to Earl Thomas earlier this season only solidified what Bell was trying to do. I'm not saying he's right or wrong. You could sit down here and make the case if you put on your lawyer hat, came into the studio with me, and you sat down and tried to persuade me that Le'Veon's not only got the right to do this, but he is right to do it. You could do it. I could totally believe you, especially after what happened to Earl Thomas earlier this season. Now, some people will say these players are overpaid, and that's the easy thing to say, but, I mean, he is putting his body through rigorous processes to try and perform at the highest level of professional sports that people just can't understand. People who aren't doing it themselves, they just don't understand that. That's why I'm not going to say NFL players are overpaid because nobody truly understands what they have to go through to stay in peak physical condition and then what they do, what they sacrifice any given Sunday to get out there and perform for us. They entertain us by putting themselves on the line every week. So that's why I'm not holding anything against Le'Veon Bell for what he's doing. By sitting out this season, not reporting to the Steelers by 4 p.m. yesterday, 
he loses out on $14.5 million this season. Which means, unless the Steelers would slap the franchise tag on him in this offseason, which is very unlikely, he will appear in a different uniform next season. Spartan fans remember him very well. The bell ringer. He's a big back. He's physical. Moves and cuts well. He can catch it out of the backfield. It's about everything you want in a running back. He's a top-tier guy. And if you're like me and you picked him number one overall in your fantasy football draft this year, maybe you're a little upset in that aspect. I understand why he's doing it. Got to make sure you're protected. I mean, he is one bad tackle away from his entire career ending. He wants to make sure that he's got the insurance to back it up, that he's going to get paid. And some team is going to pay him. He knows he's a good enough running back that somebody's going to give him the money he wants. If the Steelers aren't going to do it, which they won't because James Conner has burst onto the scene in a big way, he knows someone's going to pay him. Now, who is that team going to be? Will it be somebody like the Buffalo Bills? I think that makes a lot of sense. Buffalo parted ways with Nathan Peterman yesterday. A lot of defenses out there are upset about it. The LaShawn McCoy era is coming to an end. They are still looking for answers at the quarterback position. What better way to take that pressure off somebody than having an option like Le'Veon Bell in the backfield? Because again, Shady's not going to be there much longer. His time is winded down in Buffalo. What if you make this move and you go out and get a guy like Le'Veon Bell? What does that do for a team like Buffalo? You know, Matt Barkley right now looks like the best option at quarterback, but he's still Matt Barkley. Teams will get a little bit of film on him. He'll play a defense other than the Jets. And he's going to remember he's Matt Barkley at some point or another this season. Take the pressure off your quarterback. You have a team that made the playoffs just recently. What would a guy like Le'Veon Bell mean to the Buffalo Bills? Where else could he go? How about Oakland? How much can we really trust Marshawn Lynch? Right now he's hurt. He's had his problems in the past. How much can we trust Marshawn Lynch right now? What if you were to do something like bring in Le'Veon Bell? Because right now, Doug Martin's just not getting the job done. Doug Martin's the top option at running back over in Oakland. That's not enough. John Gruden has been building up the team exactly how he wants it with draft picks. But what if, what if you sacrifice a couple of those picks? Probably going to take more than two. And you bring in a guy like Le'Veon Bell. You make a big splash. You think Oakland fans would like him a little more? You lose Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper, but you bring in Le'Veon Bell? What would that do for Oakland's offense? Of course, you could say the Jets need to do it. I said from about week three or four that the Jets need to make a move for Le'Veon Bell. Todd Bowles won't be returning as head coach next season. He, no way. He's gone. He's a defensive-minded coach. He allowed 41 points to Matt Barkley on Sunday. That needs to seal his fate. You know, the team says they're probably not going to part ways with him before the end of the season, but they're not going to bring him back next year. Now, with that, I think the front office probably will stay intact, but they're going to be on thin ice. They need to make a splash. Beyond that, they need to give Jets fans a reason to stay optimistic. What does a team do when they're not having success? But they want to put butts in the seats. and They want to keep the stadium full. They sell for the future. They market their future. 
they try to generate optimism. When you have a team that's going 4-12, and 5-11, and 11, or worse every year, when you have a team like that, the only thing that will get people to come to the stadium will be optimism. You want to get the fans thinking that the best is yet to come. The Jets did that this offseason by getting Sam Darnold. They hyped him up very well. Sam Darnold's still got a lot to prove. He's been all right for an NFL rookie quarterback, but he's still got a ways to go, and he hasn't lived up to the hype that his front office, more than anybody, put on him. The NFL media didn't do it. The Jets' front office hyped him up more than anybody because they want fans to come to the games and be excited about the Jets, even though they have not been relevant in how long. So now, Sam Darnold's hype has worn off. The Jets aren't going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to have a losing season. What if Le'Veon Bell comes to New York? Then you have all kinds of reason to be excited. You've got Darnold, who's still going to develop and grow if he stays healthy. Plus a top caliber running back, maybe the best running back in the NFL. Give him a weapon like that, people are really going to be optimistic about the Jets. Now I'll bring up those teams. What about the locals? What about the Lions? And what about the Packers? The Lions before this season, I would have said, go all in for it. Go get Le'Veon Bell. Give Matthew Stafford the running threat. He's already got the receivers. With Jones, Galladay, you had Golden Tate. You give him a top-tier running back and see what he can do. That's going to be a lot of fun. Because Stafford is one of the best, most underrated passing quarterbacks in the NFL. But people know he's going to pass. Defenses know that, or at least they knew that before Carrion Johnson burst on the scene. They just drop back. They defend. Matthew Stafford wasn't getting the success that he's capable of. Now Carrion Johnson comes on the scene, and the Lions' offense is much more balanced, much more dynamic. And as much as Mike Leach wants to say that it doesn't matter if you're 50% run, 50% pass which I guess he gets away with doing, but that's at the college level, this is the NFL level, you have got to find a way to stop professional defensive backs from sitting back and defending your receivers all day long because that's what used to happen with the Lions. Now they have a little more balance in that offense. With Carrion Johnson, Garrett Blunt has come up as the number two running back. He's surpassed Theo Riddick. Carrion Johnson just seems to be a guy who's going to get better and better for the Lions. This may be a lost season. The Lions look like they don't want to be out there on the field right now. But there's a reason to be optimistic over there in Detroit. If they need to make a move anywhere, it's on defense. Because that defense just got torn up on Sunday. And they shouldn't be. You can make the argument they've upgraded on defense. Especially with Snacks Harrison coming over from the Giants. So if you can get Le'Veon Bell, great. He'll be a great addition to any squad he becomes a part of. But that's not where the Lions need to upgrade. They're going to have to give up a lot to get him. And they don't have the buys to do that right now. How about the Packers? That move, I think, would make a lot of sense. For one thing, you need to make Aaron Rodgers happy. How much do you think he regrets signing that extension to stay in Green Bay right now? He's being wasted in his prime. You need to give him some weapons. Okay, Aaron Jones, I'm not sold on him yet. He's shown flashes where he can be really good. He had a good game on Sunday. But then he's shown flashes where he looks like a no-name. If the Packers can upgrade and get Le'Veon right now, why wouldn't they? And I'm not talking come in and play this season, where the Packers are a bubble team as far as the postseason. But next year, when he's eligible, 
Why not? Why not? You need that boost in the offense because right now the offense has to keep pace to make up for an abysmal defense. Now, I get it. Defense is where you really need to improve. But look at teams like the Chiefs and the Rams. They're building around offenses, and those offenses are maintaining themselves. They are putting up solid numbers from week to week. You couldn't do that before in the NFL, but now the league is becoming so offensive-friendly you can. The Chiefs and the Rams' offenses make up for less than stellar defenses. So what if the Packers go that route? This is the time to do it. The NFL is becoming so much of an offensive league. It's tough to be a defensive player right now in the NFL. It's got to suck. It really does. The league rules everything, what have you, is getting stacked against you. So what if the Packers go out and make a splash? Not only to keep Rodgers happy, keep the fans happy. Maybe that would be what saves Mike McCarthy's job. What would the Packers be willing to give up for Le'Veon Bell? In my mind, there's nobody on that team right now that is irreplaceable other than Aaron Rodgers. You hold on to him with your dear life. But who's your next best option? Randall Cobb? I mean, where's he been the last few weeks? Since he's come back from injury, he's looked like a shell of himself. I'm telling you, it's a passionate fan base up here. You need to do something to keep those guys excited. I think Le'Veon to the Packers would be a great move. It would be a great move. Aaron Rodgers with Le'Veon Bell to throw to out of the backfield? Think how much fun that would be. Coming up, we will break down the NBA saga. Jimmy Butler will put on a 76ers uniform and take the court for the first time this evening. And we break down the Golden State Warrior locker room problems and the fallout from it. All that and more coming up in the sports pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Big Skin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you Wednesday afternoon. This is the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Well, last night, the Warriors were victorious over Atlanta 110-103. to They did so. Without two All-NBA talents, Steph Curry, of course, still dealing with an injury. Draymond Green suspended for one game without pay for an altercation with teammate Kevin Durant at the end of Monday night's game. Then that altercation spilled over into the locker room. Charlie Bramer and I briefly touched on the subject during yesterday's show, but nonetheless, Golden State gets a seven-point win over a really bad Atlanta team, and they continue to get over 100 points. Kevin Durant, a big part of that, 29 points and six boards. He comes out maybe a little inspired after everything that transpired. So Golden State gets the victory, but you have major concerns about the state of their locker room right now. For one thing, you've got Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and then DeMarcus Cousins, when he gets healthy, are all going to be sharing the court together. It's one thing to balance a multitude of talent. It's another to balance attitudes. That's exactly what Steve Kerr is going to be tasked with here in the upcoming months, and he got his first real taste of it on Monday night. We all know what kind of guy Draymond Green is. Yes, Spartan fans up here still have fond memories of him, but we know he's an abrasive guy. He can be a volatile personality at times. And he's not afraid to show it. Kevin Durant is a guy with very thin skin. A 
great player, one of the best players in the NBA, in all of NBA history perhaps, but very thin skin, doesn't respond well to criticism. You see him going back at critics on Twitter, and then you throw in DeMarcus Cousins. You bring him in. He signs on just to get a ring this season. You put those three personalities together, and there's going to be problems. Draymond Green said in the offseason, Boogie's a guy I'm going to clash with. He already expects that his personality will clash with DeMarcus Cousins. So yes, the Warriors should be very concerned that not only do they have one of the most talented rosters, they have one of the most volatile locker rooms. But where does that compare to the Philadelphia 76ers? Jimmy Butler will be suiting up for the first time in a Philadelphia uniform this evening. Makes his debut in the city of brotherly love. He goes out there on the same floor along with Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Markel Fultz. We know what kind of player Jimmy Butler is. Very talented, but we also know what kind of guy he can be on and off the court. And that's one with a volatile personality. How is he going to mesh with a guy like Joel Embiid? I can't wait to see how this pans out, or if it will. Because Embiid has no problem poking the bear, being the instigator. And he still believes this is his team. Jimmy Butler, Minnesota was his team. You think he wants to come somewhere else and be a second fiddle? Especially on a contender? Ben Simmons is just going to take this all in. And then Markel Fultz, what does he have to do right now? Where do you think his mindset is? Right now he's looking like one of the biggest number one overall drafts to bust in the NBA in recent memory. It raises the question, who has the most volatile locker room in the NBA right now? And at this point, I don't think we can give a clear definitive answer. But I promise you this, we will have that question answered before season's end and probably quicker than that. We're going to see how well these guys can put their pride aside, play together, let their performance on the court do the talking. Both those teams are extremely talented. Both of them have enough to win their respective conferences and meet in the NBA Finals. But could you imagine that NBA Finals if they do meet? That's a series where the game's outcome may not be as interesting as the outcome of temper spilling over on the floor. Whether it's inside the team or toward the opposing team. Both of those franchises are extremely talented right now. They have the talent to win and get to the NBA Finals. But will they? Or does the volatile, toxic locker room spill over onto the court? And does that leave the door open for somebody else? In the West, it's less likely, but what if somebody like Oklahoma City gets hot at the right time? What if Houston remembers that they're the Houston Rockets and they actually have talent and they start playing like it? Over in the East, it's much more wide open. Right now, it's not even a given that Philadelphia has the most talented roster. In the Eastern Conference, Boston could still very well win it. Toronto could win it. Milwaukee could win it. We don't even know how far Philadelphia is going to go. Either adding Jimmy Butler has put Philadelphia over the top as a legit NBA power, or it's going to sink them right to the bottom because they took an already talented roster that probably could have won the Eastern Conference Final without Jimmy Buckets, and they diluted that talent pool by bringing in a toxic talent and they're going to crash. But I still think it was the right move for them to bring in Jimmy Butler no matter what happens because this is their window to win and they're going all in to seize on it. 
Elton Brand is completely rolling the dice. And when you get a trade like Minnesota is offering you, an all-NBA talent, plus a guy like Justin Patton for guys like Saric and Covington, you take that. That's a great trade on Philly's part and an awful trade on Minnesota's part. I don't know who is convinced that Minnesota thinks that they can win this season. But whoever that was needs to be gone. Terrible trade on the Timberwolves' part. Terrible. Doesn't matter if you trade Jimmy to a conference team like Houston. You're not going to win this year anyway. Does not matter. Let's switch gears and go back to the NFL for a second. Last night as we were signing off, it was announced that this week's Monday Night Football game, scheduled to be played at Estudio Azteca in Mexico City, has been moved to Los Angeles. It was supposed to be a home game for the Rams. It will end up being a home game for the Rams. They're going to play that at the L.A. Coliseum. Rams and Chiefs on Monday Night Football and what could be the best Monday Night Football game of this decade. It's no secret that the NFL has been going more international. And they have plans to go a little bit further. But how much does this hurt the NFL's plans to expand? It was rumored early yesterday afternoon that players from both teams were going to boycott the game because of the poor field conditions. A statement from the NFL says they attribute a lot of it to the rainy season plus conflicting events. It's a very historic stadium, home primarily to soccer, but they made the switch earlier this year from natural grass to hybrid grass. And the field has been in really rough shape. It hasn't gone through the process as well as they would have hoped. But you think back a few months ago, they had a Shakira concert there in Mexico City, and that damaged the field more than absolutely anything. This has not been a recent problem. Field conditions have been in question for months down there in Mexico City at Estudio Azteca. Finally, the NFL decides that they are going to move the game to American soil and play it at the L.A. Coliseum. Now, how much does this hurt the NFL moving outside of the U.S.? I don't know that it does too much. Not too much. Really, the NFL is focusing on Europe. I would have liked to have seen a game in Mexico. I think that would have been a lot of fun. But for the NFL, the big picture is Europe. Wembley Stadium and Tottenham Stadium have hosted the NFL London Series since 2007. The NFL is also looking at adding future games in places such as Canada. Of course, the CFL, very popular up there. The Great Cup will be happening later this month. The NFL is also looking at Germany, which hosted five teams in the NFL Europa League, which is now defunct. They're looking at playing in Wales and Ireland. Ireland's already hosted football, and it's planning to do so again. Back in 2012, Notre Dame and Navy played there, the NCAA Emerald Isle Classic. Notre Dame's announced that they are going to be going back there in the near future. There have even been rumors about NFL games being played in Australia and China, though those are less likely. But you look at what has expanded China already. The NBA plays preseason games there, as does the NHL. The NHL's expanded to Sweden and Finland for the preseason. Major League Baseball, of course, a great relationship with Japan, the Caribbean Islands. The NFL is looking for its own niche market internationally and right now that seems to be in Europe the long term goal for the NFL is to add a full franchise in London reports had said by 2021 they want to make that happen I don't see any way that's going to happen but is there a real possibility that an NFL team may be based in London full time in our lifetime absolutely absolutely it's the NFL's goal 
And that's why they do these international games. Nonetheless, I don't think this is going to hurt the NFL's chances of going international or expanding anytime soon. Coming up, we take you inside the Northern Michigan University men's hockey program with senior goaltender Ate Tolvin. And I recently sat down with him. That feature's coming up on the other side of this break on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. After last year's run to the WCHA championship, the bar has been raised for Northern Michigan hockey. And Wildcat goaltender Ate Tolvanen relishes the opportunity. I always knew I wanted to play hockey. It was like the real passion. We all had, like all our brothers, like we all play hockey currently, so it was one thing we all wanted to do. Ate comes to Marquette by way of VD Finland, over 4,000 miles away. First big challenge was being away from home, uh, like far away uh, with the time difference as a first step. Also with the language, that would be one of the biggest ones for, for the starters. But despite being an ocean away, Ate still sees plenty of his homeland in Marquette. I'd say there's a lot of similarities. Uh, the nature and weather, they're, they're almost identical. So that, that part wasn't like big change for me yet, for sure. Dolvin and Gums from a family of hockey players, including his brother Ailey, a 2017 first-round draft pick of the Nashville Predators. From an early age, Ailey, a forward, practiced with his brother Ate, a goalie. Uh, my older brother, uh, he was the first guy to play hockey, and he needed someone to shoot at home. So I was the young, younger one, so I was the logical step. And then the young, youngest one just joined into the games, and we had... Uh, other neighbors that were like like to play hockey too, so we have big big games going on every day. The two brothers remain close, and they dream of one day playing in the NHL together. We do talk talk a lot, like every other day, like we FaceTime a lot. It, it's nice to have someone down here that I can just talk to, and it's, it's easy. Like it's nice to speak some Finnish to you once in a while. At six feet, one hundred eighty-five pounds, Tolvanen is smaller than the average goalie. However. He doesn't have to look far to find inspiration in the NHL. Mika Kirpusov, when I was younger, he, he was the big name at that time, so I really like to look, look up to him. And right now, guys like Carey Price and those guys, they're just doing a phenomenal job, so it's nice to look at those guys. As well as the like, smaller guys like Yusuf Saros and Tiranta, uh, they're like big guys I like to look up. Tolvanen started 35 games in 2018 and finished with a record of 23-10-1. His 23 wins tied for fourth among all goalies in the NCAA Division I hockey, good enough to earn Conference Goalie of the Year honors. Tolvanen not only excelled on the ice, but in the classroom as well, earning first-team all-conference academic honors. Wildcats second-year head coach Grant Patoni has been impressed not only by Tolvanen's performance, but his work ethic. In all athletics, when you have it, you feel like you can take on the world. And um, when you don't have it, nobody can help you find it. And you got to find it through work and details, and um, you know, just keeping your head down and, and grinding. Ate Tolvanen is probably the prime example of it. You know, uh, wh what he does every day is is why he's played well. He prepares himself for practice. He um, he's serious about his craft. He um, you know he, he acts like a pro. You know, and, and I think that's why he's having so much success. Ate likewise is quick to credit his coaching staff for the work they've done in turning Northern's hockey program around. They, they've been huge, huge for us, uh, turning the program around. Like last year, we had a lot of success 
and he expects us to be the champion team that like we can be and that that's the thing that last year we at the start we might the players might not have believed that but like he was always bringing the attitude that we can win anyone in the league, league and just go from there when thinking back on his greatest hockey memories Ate always goes back to the Barry Events Center in Marquette, Michigan. In a single game would be last year making the finals. Uh, it was a great atmosphere down here. And also one that would be up there would be the overtime winning against Bowling Green to make the final. So those are like two big games that we had last year. And those are like great memories that I will remember forever. As the end of his college hockey career draws closer, Ate has one goal in mind regarding his future make the NHL. That, that's a big thing right now. But Ate's not looking past this season, and he wants to cap his career in a Wildcat sweater with a bag. Like, obviously, if you want to make, have individual success, you need the team to perform in front of you, so having the team success will bring the individual success. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casino, Paraga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you as we wind down on this Wednesday afternoon. Glad that you're with us ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP mobile app, your home for sports in northern Michigan. Well, we've gone through plenty. The old Le'Veon Bell saga. Should the Packers or Lions make a case to try and get Le'Veon in case you missed it early on in the show? The answer for the Lions is no. For the Packers, it might be worth looking into, but it won't happen. The Packers should look into getting Le'Veon Bell, but they won't. Because they don't have the cap space unless they let a few guys go. Not just bottom 53 guys, but they're going to have to let a couple of guys who are playing any given Sunday go to get Le'Veon. Which, again, should be worth it, because right now what they're doing is not working. Give the team a fresh face, give Rodgers a weapon, do something to give the fans hope in that franchise. That's my case, in case Ted Thompson is listening, but I don't get the feeling that Green Bay is going in that direction. I don't see many splashes being made by that Packer organization in the near future. Let's look at the NBA tonight quickly before we go to hockey. We've got Detroit visiting Toronto. And the Pistons starting 4-0. and Now they're 6-6. Six and six, But they're still 7th place in the Eastern Conference. Right about where a lot of people thought they might finish. They're visiting Toronto's 12-2. They're atop the Eastern Conference where a lot of people thought they might finish. Not only that, but it's Dwayne Casey's return to Toronto. He was fired earlier this season. He won Coach of the Year. It wasn't enough to keep his job. He was let go. The Pistons picked him up. And now he squares off against his former assistant, Nick Nurse. Meanwhile, just to our south, we look at the team just south of Toronto in the Eastern Conference standings. That's the second-place Milwaukee Bucks and their 10-3 and record. They welcome in the Memphis Grizzlies, who are off to a 7-5 and start. Maybe a little better than where people thought they would be. I don't think there's many people who had high hopes for Memphis this year, but the Grizzlies are doing better than people would give them credit for early on. Bucks are unbeaten at home. Giannis is averaging 25.4 points a game and 13 rebounds. Providing Milwaukee takes care of business and does as they should, then they'll remain undefeated on their home floor. 
Milwaukee is averaging 15 three-pointers per game. They are shooting 38% from three this season. The first number, the field goals per game, that's best in the NBA. Three-point percentage is fifth. On top of that, they're averaging 104 points per game. That's fifth in the league. And they're shooting 48% from the floor. That's also fifth in the NBA. High-octane offense over there in Milwaukee, and they can go so deep into their bench. And that's why they're the -the under-the-radar team over there in the East that people need to start paying attention to. Philadelphia, of course, Jimmy Butler with his first game in a Sixers uniform as they visit Orlando, that game coming up this evening. And, of course, the doubleheader on ESPN tonight, the Timberwolves hosting the Pelicans, followed by Portland at L.A. to take on LeBron and the Lakers. But let's go to hockey. What has gotten into the Detroit Red Wings? They win last night over Arizona 6-1. It's their fourth straight win, and they're back to 500 at 8-8-2. They're 7-3 in their last 10 games. At one point, we were wondering, we said on this show multiple times, will they win a game before November? Well, they started winning in October, albeit late October. They picked up three wins by the time we flipped the calendar. And since then, they have been the hottest team in hockey. They've won five of their last six, the only loss coming back on November 3rd, a one-goal decision to Edmonton, and they're showing no signs of slowing down. Now, maybe part of that is their defense is getting more healthy. They're playing better in front of Jimmy Howard and Jonathan Bernier. But what I'm hoping Wings fans will accept is that they're starting to buy into Jeff Blaschel's system. Jeff Blaschel can flat-out coach hockey. I spent three years in the USHL, so I'm a big USHL guy when it comes to coaches moving on to the next level and having success. So Jeff Blaschel has shown that he can win. He's a proven winner. And now the Red Wings are starting to buy into that system. You take the pressure off of them a little bit. Got to keep in mind, this franchise expects a lot from themselves. The fans expect a lot from them. They have to live up to that hockey town moniker Detroit has. And once fans start to accept, well, this year's going to be tough, next year's probably going to be tough, take that pressure off, and suddenly it's just about hockey for them. Just about maybe we'll give Blash a chance. We'll buy into a system. And look where it's gotten them. Now they're playing like one of the best teams in hockey. They take the ice again tomorrow night. They visit Ottawa. They start a two-game trip. Ottawa, who is struggling this year, and New Jersey on the 17th, who struggles against everybody except the Pittsburgh Penguins. So this hot streak doesn't look like it'll be slowing down anytime soon. Now you can say that Jeff Blaschel and his system are what are making the Red Wings go. And you can say that, but you need the stats to back it up. Well, granted, I don't think Jeff Blaschel is a Bowman reincarnate or Badger Bob Johnson or anybody like that. He's still got a ways to go, but you got to give him some pieces to work with. And early on, that was a roster with a ton of holes. The goaltending is still not great. It's not where you want it to be. But you can get away with mid-level goaltenders as long as the defense in front of them plays well. And right now, the defense is picking up for Detroit. Offensively, the Red Wings aren't that good. You look at them, they're still not that good. Averaging 2.8 goals per game, that's tied for 23rd in the league this year. Shots on goal, 28 per game. That is 28th in the league. So offensively, outside of Dylan Larkin, 
there is still a ways to go for the Red Wings if they want to be a true contender. We get to talk about the Red Wings as being a contender again. Red Wings could be a contender when it's all said and done. There's still some life in this team. But the offense has got to pick up outside of Dylan Larkin. The defense has got to pick up as well. Now, they've got bodies back. Having Mike Green in the lineup is huge. But having bodies does not mean that you're going to be good on defense. Big night last night for Mike Green. Three-point night, a goal and two assists. they got to get the most out of guys like Trevor Daly, out of guys like Dennis Chelowski. The Red Wings need the Trevor Daly that helped Pittsburgh to back-to-back cups. That Trevor Daly is what we need to see at Little Caesars Arena night in and night out. They've got guys there that can be really good. They can be really good. And a lot of that's got to start with Nicholas Cronwall. 37 years old. He's not getting any younger. But he has the opportunity to be the veteran presence that they need on the blue line. Him and Mike Green are anchoring that right now. But again, no matter who's back there on defense, it only matters what they're producing. And they're still allowing three goals a game. That's 23rd. And you can put some of that on Jimmy Howard, some of it on Bernier. Some of it's got to go in the defense, though, too. Shots on goal allowed, 29th in the league, 35 per game. And they're taking way too many penalty minutes. North of 10, they're in double digits. That's 25th in the NHL. So where are their wings having success? On the special teams. They get into a tight game like that, and your special teams could make all the difference. Their power play is at 24%. That's 8th best in the NHL. Their penalty kill... 81%. That's okay. That's mid-level. That's about 14th in the league. But the offensive unit that they have, it's scary. And Jeff Blaschel is starting to bring out the best in those guys. Justin Abdelkader, Rons Nielsen, Gustav Nyquist, Thomas Vanek. I know he's hurt right now, but he has a lot to contribute. Michael Rasmussen. I mean, you have to be excited about a guy like that. What he's doing, it looks like he's up here to stay. He's not heading down to... Grand Rapids anymore. 19 years old. And he looks like he's going to be a mainstay in a Red Wings uniform for a long time. Darren Helm, Anthony Monta, those guys give you some quality minutes. You can go pretty deep into your lineup if you're Jeff Blaschel. He's starting to bring out the best in those guys. You have a lot of speed skaters out there. A lot of guys who aren't going to do as well with congested ice, and that's, that's safe to say for anybody. But for the Red Wings and the way their team is built, you give them open ice and they're going to make you pay. And that's why you can't afford to take penalties when you're playing the Detroit Red Wings. Because if they have open ice, they are going to kill you. They are going to kill you. So how long can the Wings sustain this? Right now, it looks pretty sustainable. You have a lot of guys that are buying into what their coach is telling them. A guy that I really, really want to get more time while he's in Detroit. I hope this isn't the end of it for Jeff Blaschel. I hope he continues to be the Red Wings coach. I believe in that system, and we're starting to see the players do it as well. Detroit is 8-8-2, 18 points. It's good for sixth place. The door is not shut on the possibility of Detroit making the postseason this year. It may be weird to say, but it's not shut. Because you look at a few other teams around the league, and they're ahead of Pittsburgh right now. They're ahead of New Jersey. Two teams with very high expectations coming into this season. Again, we're way too early in the year to talk about this seriously. 
but Detroit is just three points out of playoff position as it stands right now. Montreal's in the second wildcard spot. They've played the same amount of games as the Wings. They have 21 points, Detroit with 18. The defending cup champs aren't even in the playoff picture if the season ended today. There's a lot that can change. Keep in mind, it's still November. But after a very, very slow start, the Wings are a team that look like they could find their way into the postseason and not only just get there, they're starting to give their fans hope that they can be really good. Don't buy into anyone who tells you that this is a fluke streak that they're on right now. This looks absolutely sustainable. They've got young talent that's only going to continue to get better as they're mentored by guys like Mike Green and Nicholas Cronwall. Plus, two winnable games coming up on the road trip. Can you imagine if Detroit gets over 500? We're going to celebrate. This whole state is going to celebrate. Red Wings are looking like they are poised to return to at least being a contender, at least being a playoff contender. Well, that does it for us. We are out of time, but as always, appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have CBS affiliate Jake Durant here on Headset with us. He'll be my guest as we break down everything you need to know in the world of sports. It was a crazy cycle last night after we signed off. Can't wait to see what happens this evening. Keep it tuned right here for the Will Kane Show on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. We're signing off from ESPN UPWZAM Ishpeming Marquette and the ESPN UP mobile app. Until tomorrow, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to the Sports Pen.